This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in this week to my podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Today, we've got some great things to talk about, and I really hope that you're here for it. And by that I mean, I hope that you're open, receptive, and ready to just receive what God has for us. And so maybe the title of this episode has piqued your interest. It was obviously a play on a common statement uh, that we all know. The grass is always greener on the other side. And this has so many facets uh, that we can talk about, but there are specifically two things that I'll be talking uh, directly about it today. First, um, I'll be talking about relationships. Oh, I know, here he goes again, butting into my personal life, but let me say this. Do you realize how critical it is that you keep your relationships watered and well-kept? Consider this. Each relationship in your life is like a garden or a vineyard. And guess what happens to a garden or a vineyard that is not kept, dressed, and cared for? Well, obviously, it first becomes overrun with weeds and other plant life that is either not, well, it is either not native uh, and has invaded the garden or is native and has just sort of grown from the seeds or the plant life or the uh, foliage that's already there. This is, ooh, this is so good. I might preach this. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 16. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul and the lord god planted garden a a garden eastward in eden and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground made the lord god to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and is good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil and a river went out of eden to garden to water the garden And thence it was parted and became into four heads. And the name of the first is Pison, and that is which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is Bedellum and the onyx stone, and the name of the second river is Gihon, the same It is that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hittakel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river of Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. 
The Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So we get this picture here. The Lord creates this beautiful world, the waters, the creatures, the foliage, and it's, it's, it's immaculate. It's incredible. It's something that only God could create. But something was missing. We read it. It said that there was no man to tend or to till the ground. And the plants had overtaken uh, the the land, the, the, the foliage had become so uh, uh, prominent and, and and so it but it was it was still just this there was good to look upon and there was plants that were creating fruit that was in food that was good to eat and but we understand that something was missing. A caretaker. There was nobody to till and to care for the land. And so when God made Adam, he put him in the garden to dress it, which means to tend to it, to take care of it, and to water it. And the moment that Adam forgot his purpose to have dominion over all of the creatures and to tend and care for the garden, something slipped by and we all know that what got into the garden was a serpent. And that serpent talked. The serpent does not belong in your garden. It does not belong in your home. And certainly has no place within your relationships. And I'm so sick of hearing these stories of great men and women of God who've had moral failure or any type of failure and can't seem to find their way back into a relationship within the church or with the church. And now I want to make a point here before I continue is that we all have had some type of of sin in our life. Most of us, you know, the Apostle Paul says such were some of you. He, he's going on about the drunkards and the revilers and the fornicators. And he just goes down the list of all these different things um, that make us uh, sinners. And he says such were some of you. And while some of us have come out of it, you may not realize the gravity of something as simple as having bitterness. Uh, something as simple as clamoring. You know, there's all these different things. Or gossiping. Or backbiting. You see, there's just a lot of things that, <clears throat> you know, we could face or do or take part in that just really are not they're not they're not Christian. You know, the Apostle Paul said, Think on these things, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are righteous, whatsoever things are kind, whatsoever things are lovely. Think on these things. And yet we get so distracted by the temporal, by the things that we can see and, and by the attitudes and the in the human spirits, let alone, you know, the uh demonic spirits that that we uh contend with but we get so distracted by by all the all the other things and we allow it to 
blur our vision and we allow it to cause uh, strife and con- contention and, and, and all these different things that just God is not, it, it, it's not what God intended for us. And so what we need to understand is when someone has moral failure or someone uh, makes a mistake or someone crosses us, it's not about you or I. Maybe it's about us understanding how to be caretakers for the vineyard and for the garden where God has placed us. So I'm I'm just I'm so sick of of hearing the stories. What are we doing to facilitate repentance? What are we doing to facilitate uh, redemption? What are we doing to facilitate growth? In in the areas in those areas in the lives of those who have fallen or made mistakes, you know because. I've been there and I'm telling you, I, I don't, I, I think it's less about not wanting what God has for us and more about living in this whirlwind of condemnation that, again, God never intended for us to be and we are called to be overcomers. We are called to uh, come out from among them. We're called to live in victory. And so, just something to consider How are you facilitating the growth uh, and the redemption and the repentance in the lives of those who have made mistakes? Because I can assure you when we gossip about their sin and their failures, you are not facilitating repentance, redemption, and growth. In fact, I would say it's quite the opposite. I I would say you're pushing them away from God and away from the church where their hope is in Christ. And it's not copacetic to an environment that God would have for us. See, we're all members and we're all many members making up the body of Christ, the hands, the feet. The mouth, the fingers, the toes, the arms, the legs, the nose. And they all serve a purpose. They all have a different purpose in the body. And this is critical. You know, and even those who you have virtually discarded as a lost cause or dubbed them as undesirable or insincere. If I had a penny, my friend, for every single person who looked down on Brother Brandon Crooker who said that I was looking for a pulpit, that I was trying to do my own thing, that I refused to be submissive. And, you know, while some of these things may have been true at a point in my life, they were not always true. And there was a point where God got a hold of my heart and he just, it's, it's, and I was wrestling, I was wrestling with the knowledge and the understanding of God because I knew he was real. I felt his presence. I felt that uh, I had a revelation of God in Christ and and I knew the right thing to do and I was struggling with my flesh and I was struggling with my past. But God can reach beyond your failures and bring you back into the fold and back into the body of Christ 
Because what you need to remember is there are none good, no, not one, and there are none righteous, no, not one, save Jesus Christ. He was the only perfect man to ever walk on this earth. And so if you say you're perfect, you make yourself a liar. And so we all serve a purpose. We all have a place, a a plan. God has a plan for our life within the church. Whatever that may be. Some of us are preachers. Some of us are ministers. Some of us are are, are, are prayers. Some of us are, are prayer warriors. Some of us are, are going to be missionaries. Some of us are going to be prophets. Some of us are going to be uh, evangelists. You know, we're all going to have our place in the body. But see, I don't ever want to neglect that there's a place called the ministry of helps, which are those who help, who do things that are helpful, who are always the ones there that are they're behind the scenes kind of people. There's still a place for that. You don't have to be in the limelight. You don't have to be behind a pulpit. And if I was never behind a pulpit again, I would be content just serving my pastor, serving my church. Because above all, that is our call. That is that is what we're called to do, and that is where we're called to be. So don't ever get to a place where you discard people as undesirable or insincere. Because God has a plan, a place, and a purpose for their life. You say, well, Brother Brandon, how can you say that? Well, I can say that because the Bible says that it is God's will that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. We need to stop judging the folks in the church. And we need to focus on walking uprightly ourselves while being the example of restoration and renewal in the body of Christ. Here's a good point here. You want to know if you're a leader? See who's following you. And guess what? Leadership cannot be leadership without relationship. If there is no relationship, there's no trust and no faith in, then we are not following leaders. It is a dictatorship, not a leadership. It's a lordship, not a leadership. So this serpent did what serpents were not supposed to do. It was talking. (laughs) Adam should have took dominion over the serpent. And when the serpent tries to come between you and your brethren, you and your spouse, you and your church, you need to take dominion and spiritual authority and cast that old devil out. He has got to go. We're talking about vineyards. We're talking about gardens and, 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 and how we ha- the, these relationships in our lives, how they are, we need to tend to them. And... and Anybody, uh, you may not be an outgoing person. You may be an introvert. But guess what? You still have relationships and you still need to tend to those relationships. You have a responsibility in the body of Christ to care for those and to look out for those uh, that are in your circle, that are in your vicinity. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. 
See, there are tender grapes in our vineyards. Jesus said that he prayed for Peter and the disciples because Satan desired to sift them as wheat. Now that you've got the home in order and in alignment, you've got to deal with one of the most important things. Well, the most important thing. And once you get this, the rest, I believe, will fall into place. So you've got to keep, protect, dress, and care for your relationship with God. He has got to be the first thing in your life. There can be nothing more important to you in this life at all. Nothing. When you are close to God, naturally, you're close to his heart. John rested on the bosom of Jesus, felt his heart beat. And there is no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And he was called Jesus, the friend of sinners. Oh, yeah, I know there are some, we, we're all so perfect and, and, and you're all so perfect, but we are not perfect of ourselves. We come to perfection through him. Whew. Have you ever heard the saying that you act like who you're around? My pastor always says that everything starts in spirit and everything ends in spirit. And I find a lot of truth in that. And what we've got to realize is this is very spiritual. Sometimes your interactions are much more spiritual than you realize or recognize. And sometimes you can be just as influenced by the human spirit as you can be by demonic and angelic spirits. You know what Noah did when he landed the ark? He built an altar. And what? He became a husband man. See, Cain was a tiller of the ground. Cain was a husbandman. And you know where he went wrong? He let something into his garden that was not supposed to be there. Genesis chapter 4. Verses 5 through 8. Let's read it. But unto Cain and unto his offering, he had not respect, speaking of God. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against him, against Abel his brother, and slew him. You see, it said, God said to Cain, If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? Well, what does that mean? Doest do well. What do you mean, if thou doest well? If thou, first of all, stay in your lane, tend to the garden, and tend to your relationship with your brother, you'll be accepted. If you forgive, and you see beyond this situation that you're faced with right now, and this hurt and this pain that you feel right now, 
Cain never would have killed Abel if he had understood this principle. He would have embraced his brother and loved his brother and not allowed his human spirit to cause him to sin. He was warned and he decided to disobey the voice of God calling him back and it ended up destroying his life. The Bible says that Cain, the rest of Cain's life, he was worried that somebody was going to kill him. And he was on the run the rest of his life. See, the greatest garden of all is our heart. The Bible says to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You've got to keep it. You've got to protect it. You've got to dress it. And as you go about your day, make a point. Make a point to reminisce and consider how your relationship with God will directly and positively impact your relationship with people. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a preacher, a laity. does not matter what position you hold, what your title is. If you don't treat people right, you do not have the mind of Christ and you do not have the heart of God. There is a right way to deal with people. There is a right way. And I know I'm imperfect. I'm not always going to handle those situations the right way. But when I don't handle them the right way, I will handle them the right way by repenting and seeking forgiveness and bridging that divide that has been created, sometimes by my own human spirit, sometimes by my own wrongdoing, and sometimes by your own wrongdoing. And forgiveness is not, we, we've got this all twisted. The disciples came to Jesus. He said, how many times I should forgive? I'll forgive seven times. And Jesus said, well, you should forgive seven times, 70 times. And that's a whole lot of times if you've never been hurt. But in those situations, in those circumstances, those times when you have to forgive, waiting for an apology is not forgiveness. It's not. Forgiveness is to let go and allow God. Let go of the situation and allow God to work. And then when that person's back in your life, treating them like a human being, treating them like Jesus treated every person that he dealt with in his earthly ministry. And when you allow God's spirit to direct you and to positively impact your relationships with people he will connect you to your purpose and your heart must be in alignment with god's word and so remember that the grass is always greener where you water it the grass is always greener where you water it.